Welcome back to American Graffiti, one song at a time. I'm your DJ Doris, and today, again, here are your other DJs. Rachel! Hello! And Tierney! Hey, hey! Hey! <laughs> today, we're hitting a little somber note, because this scene does not have any songs. No music. Instead, we get a little kind of note of what happens to our beloved characters. And it makes me sad. Especially after last minute's Milner experience. <laughs> it hits in the feels. Oh. It hits oh us boy. right in the feels. Yeah. Because this butt is not going to grow old. <laughs> <laughs> so this is late August, early September 1962. And the first thing we learn is that John Milner was killed by a drunk driver in December 1964. Two years later. I was always like a little sad of this, but what really hit me, I don't remember at what point in researching the podcast that this happened, but I started doing the math on how old Carol was when John Milner dies. And that like made me need to like crawl under my desk and cry for a while. She would only be like 14, 15. Yeah. She's like a high school freshman maybe sophomore yeah and her buddy is killed by a drunk driver that's one of those ages where it, that's that's life that that's mm -hmm. life changing in that part of your life when something major like that happens yeah of course provided that um they keep hanging out together that's true we don't know that but i just i kind of got the feeling no. that he as annoyed as he acted with having her around when he drops her off finally at her house like he kind of misses that being like an older brother cool figure to to a younger person like he misses he misses that so maybe yeah i hope i hope he did uh, yeah because i don't see them being like best friends but i want it to be that like like the next summer or sometime during the fall, uh, during the year. It's California. They can go to a drive-in whenever they want. He sees her in a car with other people and like they do the nod. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, hey, I see you. I see you hey. too. And so that they can over the next couple of years still be friends. Like they're going to see each other. And so they'll have some sort of back and forth. So I like that. And it makes me yeah. sad too thinking because uh, when he's um, in the car with Carol and we first encounters Bob Falfa and Falfa goes racing off, you know, at that red light and Milner's just kind of like, ah, uh, he kind of is like, kind of is just like, ah, oh, what an idiot. Like, that's just, mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's like, you know, he, he realizes at that point, like, you know, he's not that reckless, invincible teen anymore, but then... He, that you know it's like he gets killed by a drunk yeah. driver it's just like oh that's what i think is the real like gut punch like yeah. it's not that john milner flips his car during a race or you know loses control of the wheel someone else who has nothing to do with this hot rod scene exactly yeah and we don't even know if he is hit by this drunk driver while driving himself. He could just very well walk across the road and be hit by this drunk driver. Oh, my God. Yeah. Specify. I did not write down what the original. It originally wasn't December 1964, but that was added when they decided to do more American graffiti so that it would match. The next thing we see, because I, I have not seen it yet as of this recording, but 
more American Graffiti takes place all in December's. And so they wanted to line up the John Milner story with the Terry Fields story, which is that Terry Fields was reported missing in action near Ann Locke in December 1965. And that one gets me too. Yeah. That (sighs) sweet, innocent little dork. Yes. (laughs) And there's something about it being, again, the killed by a drunk driver the missing in action. Yeah. It doesn't actually say. We don't know what happens to Terry the Toad. Terry but, the Tiger. I mean, he's he's been missing for years then. Yeah. For 10 yeah. years. Or, or if you say American Graffiti came hit the theaters in 73, it's been uh, eight years. So everyone knows that it means death. Yeah. Unless you're Rambo, in which case you assume that he's being yeah. held secretly and... <laughs> Oh, God. Now you're giving me <laughs> mental images of Terry. Oh, I'm so with, sorry. With a serrated <laughs> knife and no shirt. Ugh. That yeah. is Terry. Yeah, Terry and John. And then they, like, try and ease us with Steve Bolander and Kurt Henderson. It's like, nope, we're traumatized. You can't do yeah. this to us. And I mean... Of course, then it gets you thinking, why is Kurt a writer? So he, he seems to have fulfilled his dream, his original dream. But he is no longer in the States. He's in Canada. Yep. And of course, that is also connected to Vietnam. Yeah. Kurt is a draft, draft dodger. dodger. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think it makes sense for his character. I mean, I, I, I couldn't true. see him wanting yeah. to have to go over and fight. I don't think that would be... Uh-huh. I don't think he would be okay with that. No. This is what gets me about Terry, because it's also something that I cannot, for the life of me, connect to Terry's character. Mm-hmm. That just was the time. And I will say, um, how do I phrase this? There has been a lot of criticism of the United States military and their draft policies. And also, now that there is no longer a draft, how they... Target feels very harsh, but that's what they do. Low-income people who see this as their ticket. Yeah. This is, uh, like, what What was Terry doing? Terry graduated high school. He was driving Steve's car while, or actually, no. He gives, I guess he gives that back. Um, I mean, he's he's got a date with Debbie the next day, but what does Steve, what does Terry do for the next couple years? And... It's entirely possible that, I I don't know, it's entirely possible Terry was not drafted, that Terry signed up. And it and it's early 60s. It's early 60s. Vietnam is not what it became later. Yeah. That's actually what I always thought, that he has been this, I think maybe I'm wrong, but I always had that feeling that he was bullied at school. Oh, yeah. Um, by the way, do we actually get to know that he graduated the same year? I always had the feeling that Terry is actually the same age that Laurie is. As Laurie. Yeah, we don't. I don't think they specifically say. Yeah, they don't say. So you could you could be right. He could be a year behind. But I always got the feeling that, like you were saying, you know, he, well, you know, he probably may have been bullied at school. And I think he wanted um, to prove himself and be like, I yeah. am like, I am this tough guy. I'm going to do this i'm gonna come back and yeah this is this is what i thought happened yeah and and 1965 was kind of uh, when things started to turn when it started to be a like uh we may have made a mistake here and of course something something else that kind of ends this era happened in between i mean kennedy was killed yeah and it might have affected terry's decision to do something like that that's very true yeah 
Yeah, because if he was a year behind, it would have. But yeah, but yeah, um, that's a big thing that Lucas talks about. Literally, his quote is, "This was a magic moment, and it will never come again." Yeah, and it's because I, I'm paraphrasing now, but because they grew up, they changed, and the world changed. Like Lucas has never made um secret of the fact that it's a pre it's pre Kennedy assassination versus post Kennedy assassination. Absolutely, and I kind of see yeah. with uh, Terry. I'm thinking about like Forrest Gump, kind of when he he graduates. It, well, granted, I think it's in that movie. He literally like they walk up to him at the graduation. <laughs> yeah, and just one of those moments where he's like, yeah, especially with Terry, I could see him like looking it over and being like, I can be that guy. Yeah, and yeah, because he always dreamed of of being a really powerful, Terry important the tiger person. Man. person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll we'll get to find out what happens, I guess. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, we all emotionally survive that. Steve Bolander is an insurance agent in Modesto, California, aka the fate worse than death. <laughs> <laughs> is he it never though? leaves. Is it though? Well, I mean, that's the that's the question. That's, that's, yeah, we'll find that, out. That is that is the connotation I have with this. He's an insurance salesman. It's like what is worse than being that like selling shoes maybe but he is the one he gets a job he probably is still together with Lori. we don't know that yet they might as well split up we don't know that uh it doesn't say but he has a job he has a regular income he makes a living for himself of course it is not the glorious career do we ever get to know what he wants to go uh study at college he doesn't really say maybe he wanted to be an accountant yeah that reminds me, uh, yesterday we talked about Three Men and a Baby, and of that same era was um, Look Who's Talking, which has one of my favorite lines, because Christy Alley is a um, a CPA, and someone's like, no one wants to be an accountant. And she goes, yes, I do. It combines my two favorite things, math and people. And everyone is just staring <laughs> at her like, what? And it, it was one of those things, like, as a kid, that was very important to me to see, like, Everyone, everyone is different. Everyone like approaches things differently. There are people who like that is their dream job. Yeah. But I think it's the fact that like they specify like he is still in Modesto. He never got out of Modesto. Like he did not go to college the next year. <laughs> and it's one of those things too, where it's kind of shows a point of like, you know, college is so you know, it's like once you hit high school and nowadays even earlier, you know, you're pushed. It's like college, college, college. You got to know this, that, what you want to do. And it kind of shows like you don't have to go through that whole college experience to, you know, find yeah. a stable job and income and have a life and a family. Like you can, here's, you know, you can stay home. You can do this. You can explore yeah, yeah. other And avenues. who knows? Who knows? Maybe he is the happiest of all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's just a statement. It's a factual statement. He is an insurance uh, salesperson in Modesto, California. And we assume that this is boring. This is an <laughs> underachiever. He is unhappy, but probably he isn't. Tierney's bias is coming out so hard in this episode. <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, I love books and it's like tyranny you know what i'm talking about i mean just being like i i am a librarian (laughs) and it's just like that is the that's excitement to me like you know like who's talking books 
and uh, more books are my thing. <laughs> People, you know, okay, some maybe. <laughs> I'll deal with them if the books are there too. <laughs> yeah, if I want to tell people about books that they sh- would like, yes, yes, that's yep. another thing I enjoy greatly. <laughs> Reader's Advisory with Rachel Mummer. <laughs> I would totally do that. I I love doing that. <laughs> FYI, listeners, I, if you need books... Uh, Throw ideas at me. I'll throw ideas back to you. <laughs> I love it. Therapists have made a lot of money off my inability to reconcile my desire for stability with my desire to also, I don't even know at this point, be a famous podcaster. That's not a thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you're working pretty hard at that yeah. one. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a, it's a weird uh, back and forth. I think I just read uh, too many times. Um, I read the Iliad, I think four times during college for various classes, and the whole thing of like you're not truly gone until everyone's forgotten your name. Maybe imprinted a little bit too hard on my psyche <laughs> for uh, <laughs> for normal settling down, growing up reasons. So actually, um, when I was writing my book and I. I was like, okay, I'm going to have a little coda with like what happens to people. And I didn't want to kill anyone off. Like it, it just, I, I guess spoilers for my book, but my whole thing was like my generation, we did not have, like we did not have Vietnam. Yeah. People still get killed by drunk drivers. I could have had someone, I could have had someone working in the World Trade Center that, but I didn't, I didn't want to do that. But what I did was the Milner character, I, I said it was like, it's the fate worse than death. They never they never get out. Like mm. that to me was like the kind of equivalent. And yeah, no, I'm I'm seeing my own bias here and I'm mm. acknowledging that. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, probably for most people reading this, you read into this what you would feel about it. Yeah. 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 We never get to know how the character feels about it. That's true. Maybe, maybe Kurt, you know, we don't know how, what circumstances led to Kurt going to Canada. We can, we, again, we're reading into that yeah, entirely. We're reading into it, of course. We're, this is our assumption that he's a draft dodger. He might just have gotten a. Uh, Maybe he fell in love with a lovely Canadian girl. Exactly, or <laughs> gotten gotten a, a job at a Canadian college teaching English lit. We have we have no idea, but a job yeah. as a Mountie. <laughs> I don't think he'd get, get on too well with horses, look at, though. Look at that! Look at that smile. That is not a. <laughs> <laughs> So one of the big critiques of this scene, it's not that it doesn't have a song. One of the big critiques of this scene is that the we do not know what happens to the girls. And Lucas yeah. actually addresses that of because of the way it fits on the screen, if he wanted to do what happens to the four top girls, he would have had to do a second card. Like he would have had to, you would have seen these four and then it would have faded back to the blue and then you would have gotten the four girls. And yeah. he just, it just didn't feel right. Like from a from a movie creator perspective, he was looking at it and he did not want, he wanted when this faded to blue, he wanted that to be it. He didn't want you to then, to then think, start over thinking about, okay, what happened to these people? But then of course, the girls are not basically their own characters in the story, except for Lori. They're just yeah. adjuncts, adjuncts to the male characters anyway. I totally understand the accusation of sexism. I'm just saying that, like, the decision was not made of a, like, oh, who cares what happens to the girl's perspective? Like, they they literally did think about, like, how would we do this? And they didn't like the way it played, basically. 
I mean, we can we can assume what happened to Lori. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and with her being the main the main girl character that has her own kind of you know storyline going, like you said, you know, we can assume with Steve's yeah. epilogue, you know, we can kind of work Lori's future into that maybe as well. And it's it's it is weird because it's like yeah, it'd be fun to know what happens to Carol and Debbie, but it's not really germane I to mean, the story. <laughs> Carol, Carol, at she'll be a schoolgirl for quite a while longer, though. Yeah, she'll still be in school. And like, I think we don't really. I mean, she has memorable scenes with Milner, but besides seeing what happens to John Milner here on this card, we don't really think of the repercussions for other characters such as Carol. So it, it's not in our, you know, at the front of our, our minds what her future would be. Yeah. Her future is probably, well, she's probably the only character whose future is still wide open at this point. Yeah. Because that would be interesting, uh, though, because as she would come out of school, high school, like it would kind of be on the cusp or right as after the cusp of that yeah. great turning point with Vietnam yeah. and everything. So D- does Carol become a hippie? Yeah. Is Carol at Woodstock? <laughs> <laughs> I do think the one thing is that growing up with this movie in the cultural conscious uh, and then when I saw it, it does make. Kurt fleeing to Canada seem very casual. I think because it is just like, and he's in Canada, and then like all this stuff gets attached to it. And I will say, the older I get, the more I appreciate like that was not a casual decision for anyone because no. once you went, you, you did not get to come back. That's it. Lori can come visit him. That's it. He's never going to see Lori and Steve's house in Modesto. <laughs> Have they ever had, like, changed it? So kind of had this, what is the oh, word? Amnesty. Amnesty for it. Oh, for it. yeah, I don't. I'm looking because I don't. Okay. President Gerald Ford signed a proclamation in 1974 that granted conditional amnesty to members of the armed forces who had deserved. Oh, no, that doesn't. Those who had evaded the draft were not eligible for a conditional pardon. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that would have meant that he would never have been able to come across the border again. Oh, Jimmy Carter, 1977. Roughly half stayed in Canada. Okay. January 21st, 1977. So when yeah. this movie came out, absolutely not. That's it. Yeah. As, far as, as far as Lucas and Kurt and everyone knows, this is it forever. Because I don't think anyone saw Jimmy Carter coming when this movie was made. And then, of course, they made their life up in Canada. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why why should they come back? Yeah. If they had married there, had a career up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Carter seeking to heal the war psychic wounds set no conditions. Some individuals were excluded from the pardon, which makes sense that they're going to have. Yeah. They're going to have some exceptional cases. Oh, okay. So this says... I'm just looking at a Politico story. About 100,000 Americans went abroad in the late 60s and early 70s to avoid being called up. Some 90% went to Canada, where after initial controversy, they were accepted as legal immigrants. So yes, there was eventually some (laughs) amnesty. But yeah, it says about 50% just stayed. Like you said, they have their lives. They're doing their thing. Uh, Speaking of lives, Lucas missed his own 10-year high school reunion. To make American graffiti. Do you think it was worth it? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) 
I missed my tenure as well, but not because of a great movie. So did I. I missed the five-year reunion. I missed the ten-year reunion because I was abroad <laughs> at the time. This year, actually, this July would have been my 30th. And of course, it's not going to happen. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So my dad um, was behind. I know he was class of 74. He went to his 15-year reunion because he lived like one town over, so it was pretty easy. Mm. And the only reason that I know this is because they gave out, they had like plastic mugs, like class of 74, 15th reunion, whatever. And my sister and I, at some point in the 90s, decided that those cups were magic. And when we were sick, we only wanted to use those cups. And so, uh-huh. like, and so, like, 20 years later, like, all the writing has been faded off <laughs> for going through the dishwasher. But we still were like, you cannot get rid of those. Those are the magic cups. <laughs> I wish I had a class of 1991 cup, but those things were not thought of at that time. All the things we didn't do. (laughs) (laughs) I still have my class ring somewhere, but... I still have my class ring, and I still have my yearbook. I love my yearbook photo. I'm very biased. It was, like, one of the first good photos. Like, I'm not very photogenic, so when there's a good one, I'm like, oh, this will stay forever. (laughs) parents probably have my yearbook, but I'm not even sure there's a picture of me in it. My parents and I were talking, (sighs) yes, yeah, the other day about... We were talking about, like, my grandparents and just how... How a lot of like the fashions of the, cause my mom was like, I was looking back and, you know, at, uh, like there are wedding photos, my parents' wedding photos, and just seeing like my grandparents, you know, 40 some years ago and just being like, even then to me, looking at those photos, like for their age, like they looked older, not like bad <laughs> older, but just in, you know, a lot of it was the fashion and like the hairstyles and stuff of the day. And I was like, you know, that is an interesting point because I feel like looking back on photos and even like what they would have done for senior portraits back in, in like the forties, fifties, that kind of era, they just seem to look a lot more mature than like even when I got my, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, it always has blown me away because I'm like, I feel like I look like a kid when I see those photos. It's just like, wow. But it's a good mature look. It's just like they're so grown up. I always had the feeling so in in the 1950s and 1960s, basically teenagers had the same hairstyles that grown up women had. Yeah, that's very Mm. true. Like, yeah. Also something that changes in, in the late 60s that, I mean, teenage culture is a thing of the 50s, but there's not wanting to look like your parents thing. It's a yeah. thing of the 60s, I guess. And then it does do a switch because I noticed. And now when all I the was parents comparing... want to look like their kids. Yes, exactly. uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I guested on the Mighty Ducks podcast, I was talking about the scene where Emilio Estevez and Charlie's mom go on a date. And I was like, it's weird because... They are two adult people that go on a date. And I was like, oh my God, this movie is not that old, but it is old enough that all the grownups are not trying to be teenagers. Like they are not trying to dress younger. They are just doing their early 90s grown up thing. And I was like, somewhere in the 90s, that like the millennium happened and we all lost our minds, apparently. Y2K, man. There there was just too much sparkle everywhere. I will always dress like a 15-year-old <laughs> because my style has not evolved since then. No. Mine really has not either. I I still have a flannel shirt that I bought in 95. Like <laughs> Yeah, me too. 
I'm one of those like, hey, I like this t-shirt. Let me get one in every single color they have available. (laughs) Like I find one thing. It will always be jeans. It will always be t-shirt. It will always be chucks. Yes. Like me, it's that or it's like anything in my like athletic running clothes. I'm like, if I could just live in those, I would be set. Like, let me just wear my running shorts in a cool like t-shirt thing. And I'm good. Good to go. I actually just bought a pair of shorts that are blatantly like sweat pant material, but lighter. And it was like, I need to ease myself out of the pandemic and wearing my sweatpants every oh, day. I, will and I was like, it's going to be too hot for sweatpants. And so my solution was to buy sweatpants shorts. <laughs> yeah, so Not very to go back 80s. to wearing real clothes. Sweatpants shorts. <laughs> so retro. I needed them emotionally. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not ready for real clothes. Clothing wise, clothing wise, Carol is my soulmate. Yes! Yeah. yeah. T-shirts, yeah. jeans, and chucks. Exactly. <laughs> Well, you know what? We're just reinforcing the last note that George Lucas had in his director's commentary, which was him saying, it hasn't lost its charm, at least in my mind. <laughs> so he watches this movie close out. So yeah, yeah. We, we, we've we done it, except, oh, wait, just kidding. We'll be back tomorrow with the credits. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so penultimate chance for people to come and discuss with us on Facebook and Mel's listeners drive in. Which will continue to exist after the of podcast. Of course, of course it will. As long as you want to talk American graffiti and as long as we kind of put up with Mr. Zuckerberg's antics, <laughs> we'll be there <laughs> <Yeah>. for you. <laughs> There's also a, um, if you go to the handle VCR Privileges on Twitter or Instagram, which I realize are not much better and instagram's owned by facebook but there are alternatives if you have cut that cord (laughs) (laughs) it's not as interactive though like it just on vcr privileges of course they will find all the other shows you did yes yes last year we did a league of their own and next summer who knows maybe we'll announce that soon maybe dun 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 (laughs) on this note I hope we see you all tomorrow. He's really fast, isn't he? Oh. Edited out of this episode was a 10 to 15 minute conversation debating what movie we should do next summer. And if you follow us on social media, you've already seen this announcement, but just in case you haven't, here was Rachel's analysis. I love this headlock.